0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Glory, glory, Tottenham Glory, glory, Tottenham Glory, glory, And the Spurs go marching
2: on. Well, Spurs fans around the world, welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney speaking to you here in North London, a rather sombre place. Uh, certainly my part of North London anyway at the moment. Uh, We have things to discuss, and they're rather serious matters, I must say. So luckily I've got two very serious individuals with me, men of Gravitas. Welcome back, first of all, David Harris. Hello, David.
1: Hello, Theo. I've never been described as a man of Gravitas, but thank (laughs) you for that, Theo. Lovely to be back on the Spurs show. Well, good to see you. Where do you speak to us from? I am uh, live from uh, 5 a.m., on a Sydney morning in January, and I hate wow. to rub it in. It's summer here, be about 27 degrees today.
2: Wow, the sun's about to come up, is it? Yep. Blimey. Jamie. so you've got a silver lining. And Vaughn Steen is back. Hello, Vaughan, how are you?
0: I'm oh, very well, thanks, Theo. Well, I'm not. I'm totally miserable and bereft of any optimism. But apart from that, I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah.
2: Well, same as you, really. Couldn't <laughs> put it better myself. But, I mean, and we haven't even got any sunshine coming our way, really. Well, um, gentlemen, of course, everyone who's listening to this will know why we're so down in the dumps, because uh, yesterday, I would say, personally, uh, for me, the worst display of the season, certainly in the Premier League by Tottenham Hotspur, and the upshot was a really uh, poor home defeat against a mediocre Aston Villa side, 2-0. Uh, I mean, Vaughan, were you there?
0: I was, Yeah. And the best bit is, we now we've moved our seats from the south stand because we sit with some old boys who, you know, it's hard to it's hard to see in the south stand with all the standing. So we yeah. moved. We now sit above the away fans, sort of on the wraparound, and it was toxic. It was a really unpleasant atmosphere around us, made worse by, uh, well, obviously, an ecstatic Villa away support. So yeah. yeah, it was a nice afternoon, and it was. I hate to say it, but shades of the last days of Mourinho. The way it felt, you know, it wasn't. The three nil against Man U with Nuno, but it was you could feel that the you know the tide starting to turn. Maybe not specifically against Conte, but really that animosity, that frustration at the club building up again. It's yeah, it's re- it was really unpleasant.
2: It was a strange thing because some people saw it coming, but you know, up until yesterday, you looked at the table and you, and you thought, well, we're we're doing fine in the league. We're in uh, Champions League, we're in the FA Cup, and even when we haven't haven't been playing that well, we've we've often come back, and we came back against Brentford, could easily have won that, you know. And you just think actually, there hasn't actually been anything really tangible to be utterly uh, pissed off about. And then, mm-hmm. as Richie Beno used to say, and then this happened, mm-hmm. and yesterday, mm-hmm. I mean, yesterday was. Was had was a, a I mean it was real grist to the mill of the Levy haters, the Conti doubters, and the moaners. There's no no lack of people wanting to moan uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That's for sure. Where do you think, David? This leaves us. What do you think the state of play is? First of all, with Conti, do you think do you think his departure may be imminent?
0: Look, I think
1: that I'm no lover of Levy and I've been on the Spurs show on and off for a few years, and I've often said that. Um, I think Conte is the best manager that Enoch have ever hired. Look across, you know, from your Jacques Santini, your AVBs, your Poches and Mourinho, it's the full range. He's the best manager that we that Enoch have ever hired. Um, and, you know, this is not a surprise to be where we are now, because look at the deal that was structured when we signed him which was eight, it was an 18-month deal, and I believe that the club had an option to extend by one year. So we know what Conte is about, he's a, he, and he's like Mourinho as well. He's your short-term, two to three years before they blow up kind of manager who will or is meant to deliver you a trophy, may not play in the traditions of, of our club, um, but that's okay as long as he delivers you a trophy. Um, but it, you know where we are now is that Conte is is playing the club pretty much like he's played everywhere else he's managed. I mean, look, he, look at Chelsea for example. We successfully sued them for constructive dismissal, <laughs> and so where we are now is not of a surprise. So if you're going to get a top manager that's good for the brand, you have to give him what he wants because there's no point. Then you may as well go for the project manager. So where we are now is. You know, if we get these two signings that makes him happy, then that will will go to some way. But then the other thing is, whether he signs that extension or not, because I think that's now it looks like is beginning to filter through to the dressing room because the whole demeanour of the players yesterday was shocking.
0: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree. More. You put it so, well. and and you can you can feel that malaise through the club, that insecurity, that uncertainty. Conte's got a gun to our head. And I, I agree with David. I think he's a phenomenal manager. I don't think, I don't, I don't want to see him replaced. But if we're not going to back him and he doesn't have the players, which he absolutely does not to play the system that he's trying to play with them. And he's sort of trying to sort of reconstruct that 2017 3-4-3 Chelsea with a really questionable back three apart from Romero, wing backs who aren't able to play as wing backs, and a front line that's not functioning in transition. We are where we are. So, you're just going to get end up in this awful negative cycle that Conte often leaves clubs in, where no one knows what the next move is. So this month has now become absurdly important. Are we going to double down? Are we going to spend the money and make him happy and make him sign his contract, or are the club going to say, "If you're not going to sign your contract, we're not going to put the money in"?
2: Yeah. And you
0: may as well go now. I mean, I don't. I, I the football is so insipid. It's so turgid. There's such a lack of belief. I think, from a lot of those players, in all honesty, about what we're actually doing, that I really worry about what the next step's going to be.
2: Yeah, but that turgid lack of... I mean, the turgid stuff is that he's been sending them out to be quite kind of uh, passive, hasn't he, in first halves, as we all know. So we always seem to concede first. But we always do come back until yesterday. And isn't it the case, you know, just to play devil's advocate, that if yesterday Benton, Kulisevsky, and Richarlison had been on the pitch instead of uh, Basuma and Son and Brian, we would have won that game, wouldn't we? I mean, we would have I mean, We would have easily beaten Aston Villa, and that kind of uh, apparent lack of motivation and belief it wouldn't have come into it. because. And, and so then you're talking about the depth of a squad uh, and the whole mood turned. When you saw that starting line-up before the game, you thought, we've got problems. It doesn't matter if it is only Aston Villa. I mean, Hill... He looks like a talented player. You, you you wish him well, but he's just, he's never looked at, remotely up to the robust uh, uh, it's Premier League. Boys, isn't it?
0: For, for, what? for yep. all this endeavor at his craft, it's, it's men against boys. He gets shoved off the ball. Yeah. And then, love- and Son, Son is
2: absolutely, he's useless. Uh, he's gone useless. Let's be, let's tell it like it is. He's one of the best players we've ever had. And he'd probably be in the squad of the best Premier League players we've ever had. And right now, he, I don't think there's a Premier League team anywhere that would pick him on form is that bad so you've got harry kane essentially playing up front with two people who are uh, completely hopeless either side of him and basuma who is still i still think can can develop into a good player Mm -hmm. he's i mean benton it's a world-class all-round midfield player and basuma at the moment is way off that so you do have to i mean you do have to think it could have been very different yesterday without the injuries which is so often the way isn't it
0: yeah, but I have to I agree, but, and there's always that huge caveat, you don't get that excuse if you're a top club because you reinforce yeah. and you have depth in squad and you blood the kids who are able to take their place on the bench, which Conte has never done in his career, yeah. but but we do not. If you look one through 11 compared to sort of arguably our best team in the Premier League era, that sort of 2016, oh, sorry, 2017 team, we are. We have lost so many of those players and all of the replacements are nowhere near as good. So we have gone backwards in terms of left-back, right-back, centre-back. Dembele was a freak of nature. He was unreal. Like, you know, so admittedly, he's hard to replace. And we've still got Kane and Son playing up front. We have not improved the depth of squads. Yes, there's injuries and they're bad injuries. We're unlucky. It cannot be an excuse at a top club. It's not an excuse at Chelsea, Liverpool, City are a joke, of course, with what they have. But we have not reinforced and retained players to create a squad of 20 players. Well, it's never going to be 20, but it's going to be 18 fantastic players who yeah. are able to rotate in and out. That's been the recruit- yeah. focus, yesterday. Sorry? I'm sorry, that
2: that bench was a joke yesterday. Yeah, well, I was just thinking that there was an article recently, very recently in The Athletic, and it did it as a graphic. And it had the last, it had all the signings of the top six clubs since 2019, listed them, and it color coded them green for successful, you know, amber for jury's still out, red for, you know, no good, failed. And the red, ironically, the red in the Tottenham. Uh, was way, way more prevalent than any of the others. So the the recruitment since the Champions League final has been way worse than... um, than any of the other, than any of our competitors, and of course that's a that's a huge. I mean, that's a huge problem, and the blame for that surely has to be with the hierarchy. Conti doesn't take the blame for that. I mean, he's playing with a lot of players that he hasn't brought in. I mean, actually, funnily enough, the best window he had is when Conti had arrived, and him and Paratici did, it, and that was last January. Mm. But David, you said there are two players you think he wants, and that if he gets them, maybe that will. You know, placate him, and maybe he'll be back. What, 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 what are the two players you
1: think he wants? Well, I think we need a right wing back because we've, we yeah. we spent six six million years it felt like negotiating for Spence over the summer, which I believe Levy uh, took part in. So you can imagine the director of football of uh, Notts Forest and Levy turns up in your car park doing the negotiation. He'd probably rang his wife and kids. He said he won't be home for about a week um so the right wing back place is there and and i think if you look up top well, i always said the transfer window was a six out of ten transfer window for me in the summer i know everyone got very excited but i always felt our our fifth and sixth choice up top was just not fit for purpose i mean heel looks like uh some kind of competition winner from a Spanish primary school who's been selected to play in the Premier League, and and Lucas Mora, God bless him, you know. Aside from his what looks seems to be a serious injury now, uh, had really run his 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 time at the, at the club, and I think they were in for Zaniola, and they didn't get the deal done, which is not an unfamiliar theme of our owners. So, look, I think that if you if you looked at those two, I mean, he's talked about that he doesn't need a centre back, but it's pretty clear. That if you look at our center pack options at the moment, you know, you've got Romero, who to be honest with you, I think's been part-time for us this season, is and has kind of used us like a David Lloyd center to get himself ready for the World mm-hmm. Cup. Uh, then you've got Sanchez. Um, we don't need to say more anymore about him. Tanganga, who has regressed so badly, it's a real shame because he's a homegrown player. And then on the rest, you've got Davis and Dyer, you know. Conti improved them last season, and they had good seasons last season. But if we're a club challenging for top four and a top honors, you'd want them as a squad player on the bench as options. You wouldn't want them starting in the first team. And Longley is is simply a stopgap signing who. Uh, I'm not completely convinced by, but he's a stopgap. And we knew that we wanted, we were in the market for a left sided centre back uh, over the summer. We didn't get him. But, guys, just to cheer you up, uh, an exciting stat for you is the the second goal that we conceded is uh, we've conceded now at least twice in seven consecutive league matches for the first time since November 1988, the halcyon days of Fennec Mins and Guy Butters.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I, I have to say, I, sorry, I just like what I would just say is is that's absolutely spot on, and it speaks to one of the biggest problems that we've had. If that six out of ten window is exactly the same for Conte as it was for Mourinho. We were doing well. And Mourinho wanted Skrindra and Conte wanted Guardio or Bastoni or some. He's We needed to put a cherry on top of the transfer window. We were all excited about Richarlison, absolutely right. Basuma, absolutely right. I, I have full faith he will come good. He's a wonderful player, right? We strengthened with elite premiership players and we needed a centre-back to sit alongside Romero and elevate Dyer, and we didn't get him. And it is the same thing. If you do not back these here and now coaches with what they want, they are not going to develop the other players. And we, do, of course we need a right wing back. I'd love to see Jed Spence get a game, but Conte clearly doesn't fancy him. So yeah. you've got to back him. He, that, something's not right with Jed Spence, whether it's from it's Conte's brilliant but monstrous ego saying, he's not my signing, I'm not going to play him. Yeah. Leave that, and it was a lesson to Levy. You've got to go and find him, a Pedro Porro or a Dumfries or whoever. And the other problem that we do have, if you look at what Liverpool have done, they've gone out again and they've got GapCo. Yeah. And if you look at the embarrassment of riches that they have up front, that is what you do. You reinforce from a position of strength. And we find ourselves, exactly as David said, our fifth and sixth options are not really options. Moore is not an option, Gil's not an option. So as soon as Deki's out, as soon as Richardson's out, you're at the you're at the bare bones again.
2: Yeah, and actually, as I said earlier, I don't like saying it; it gives me no pleasure at all. But I don't know what's—I don't know if Son's going to recover. But right now, he's not an option either. He's just no. as every bit as no. useless as uh, Lucas Moura and and Brian Gill. And there is no.
0: one, yeah. And I'm sorry, to tell you, there's one thing that that drove me absolutely nuts yesterday. All it took when we were getting a small head of steam up in the first half was them to realise that Ashley Young was having a problem with Perisic. Push McGinn out onto him, and we were completely nullified. Yeah, like that was so frustrating to watch that happen, and suddenly we didn't even have an option down the left.
2: Yeah, and, and he didn't respond, did he? Conti? Not at all. No,
0: not at all. And yes, there was no one on the bench to check. Well, actually, that's not true at all because there were there were other right the right wing backs and left wing backs yeah. on the bench. Yeah, but we looked worse when Sessignon came on. I would yeah. say, like Sessignon was defending on my side, as it were, in the yeah. second half, and yeah. he must look shorn of confidence again.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, so well, how, he, sorry. He, he looks he lacks conviction at the best of times, doesn't he? Never mind coming on when the, when the atmosphere's gone rotten. And I thought it was terrible, also, that Emerson Royale see, There was a chorus of booze when they brought him on. I mean, a lot of people have said, "Yeah, but that was booing the decision, not the player." But I mean, you mean, know, if you're the player, you don't really get a chance to yeah. sort of analyze that. You know, I think the the way he's been treated by the fans has been awful. But obviously, he's certainly not the answer at right wing back. He's not a right wing back. Simple as that. He's a right back. He's a good functioning defensive right back. He's certainly not a right wing back. Mm. So, I mean, uh, so what we're looking at, I mean, is Conte only has a few months left. If we buy the players he wants, we'd have to spend presumably best part of 150 million to get, I mean, at least to get a really good attacker and a really good right wing back. a really, really top, top ones prize them away from their existing employers in January. Um, then presumably he cheers up and everything's fine. He did have a sulk last season. I mean, it was even said that he'd resigned at one point and he had to be talked out of it. Had, there was that terrible sort of uh, little phase we went through where we lost at Burnley and then we had those two disastrous home defeats, Wolves and Brighton, yeah. I think it was. And he was very sulky then. He wasn't his usual self because people pointed out yesterday that he wasn't very animated. He wasn't really involved. And he's, so he's had these little smells before and, and things pick up. And uh, and he comes round, so anything's possible at this stage. You wouldn't be absolutely totally shocked to get a statement from the club tonight that he's gone, and you wouldn't be no. totally shocked if he signed a new contract at the end of this window, having made a couple of shrewd signings. I mean, any, every, everything seems so up in the air, doesn't it? Because also no, 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 everything's still.
0: Sorry, I'm sorry to
2: you. Just you. said that I was just going to say everything's still possible in terms of the season. We could still win a win a trophy and get top four. We're by no means out of those things, are we?
1: No, but I think the difference between this year and last year is that no-one's factored in Newcastle and the Goons doing as yeah. well as they have. Yeah. And Newcastle have uh, have no European football. Um, and, you know, for all the stuff about sports washing, which is a debate for another time, they've actually yeah. spent really wisely. And, you know, if you'd have said to all those dancing Geordies uh, before our game of them away last season, when the ownership came in, that Eddie Howe was going to be your new manager they'd have all laughed in your face, but he's done an amazing job. He's improved players who haven't performed. And uh, as I said, they've spent wisely. I mean, Botman is someone we should have got in and I don't know why we didn't. Um, But so there's that there's the goons who, I mean, they'd have to cataclysmically collapse to not be top four. I mean, there's seven points top clear at the top, as we know at the moment. Um, And, you know, I think Liverpool will, and will recharge, um, and I think uh, Man United is going to be very, there very about, uh, you know, Chelsea are looking as as dodgy as we are at the moment. So I think it's going to be very tough. Mm. But if I look at Liverpool and, um, you know, often the discussion around Enoch and how can we com- uh, compete with sovereign wealth funds and oligarchs and this, that and the other, look at the Liverpool model. I mean, up to about a year ago, you would say the Fenway Group Michael Edwards, who was there, is not there anymore, and, and Klopp we're all perfectly aligned, astute in the transfer market, sold well, bought well. Um, and, you know, I think their net spend is less than us. So that is a model that we should follow, as much as I hate to say it, because as we all know, growing up, you never got a decision at, at uh, Anfield. Um, but that's where we are at a club at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, it's pretty depressing, sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, we're all depressed. Not your fault, that's for sure. <laughs> let's take a let's take this regroup. Let's take a take a break and come back, see if we can pull ourselves to pieces. I mean together.
1: <laughs> Whistleblowers Daily is a bite-sized podcast that goes out every weekday of the football season. Join Mark Smith and a rotation of guests as they give you all the headlines plus some concise opinion on each arming you with all the up-to-date football knowledge you need to get through your day. Whether it's bringing you reaction to the big games, fallout from the latest VAR scandal, or just someone to keep a tally of all Erling Haaland's hat-tricks, Whistleblowers Daily is the show to sort you out. Whistleblowers Daily, available every weekday of the football season. Search for the Whistleblowers, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And we are back, and before we continue with this uh, rather rather sad uh, discussion, Let me remind you that our monthly London live shows are up and running. Uh, If you sign up and join us at season.spursshow.net, you can bring a guest and join us in these brilliant uh, shows in uh, intimate surroundings. We've got on January the 25th, Jerry Armstrong, who is one of football's great storytellers, uh served us well at Tottenham Hotspur played for a number of other clubs of course made himself a a global superstar in the 1982 World Cup and as I say he's quite the raconteur so really looking forward to meeting him that's January the 25th so go to season.spurshow.net if you want to get come along to that always a good night those ones Uh, For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. And do follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please leave us a nice review on iTunes. It really helps uh, to spread the word. Right. Uh, What do you make of before we move on? We're going to talk about the Palace game. Uh, which suddenly looks like a quite a foreboding prospect. But before we do that, what do you make of it? I, I thought it was interesting that <laughs> I think it was in the second goal went in. You know, as you say, it went so toxic, the atmosphere. And the South Sand, I don't know if it was coming from anywhere else, started singing, uh, Daniel Levy, get out of our club and we want Levy out. Uh, and I wonder. I was just thinking. Well, Daniel Levy, I sit in the West Stand, and so Daniel Levy's somewhere below me on the on the hallowed middle tier, you know. And I'm thinking, what must he make of that? Because, you know, I mean, he must think, well, we've gone two nil down in a game, and suddenly they want me out. I've been here 20 years. I've built the best training ground in the world, the best stadium in the world. We're rarely, hardly ever finished out of the top six in that time. I've got, we've got to a Champions League final. We're contenders. We're always talked of it as part of the big six. We weren't when I took over. No way. And we are, you know, so and then we go 2-0 down at home to Aston Villa and they're shouting, "We, Daniel Levy, get out of our club. I mean, do you think it's, I mean, again, I'm in a way I'm paying devil's advocate, but do you think it's fair, David, that they, that people have adding enough of him?
1: Uh, well, I've had enough of him a long, long time ago. <laughs> right. There's nothing before, to do with going 2-0 down. Nah, Before a sunny morning in Sydney yesterday morning, and I'm sat there watching and thinking I'm going to be in a rather bad mood all day long. At least yeah. you guys got to go to sleep. Um, look, you know, the reality is, is that with Daniel Levy and Enoch, it's been a situation where they've been in charge for over 20 years and we've won one trophy. Now, we all remember the fun days of the nineties. at least we managed to collect a trophy, two trophies in that decade in ninety-one and ninety-nine. We saw some absolute dross, but you know, we also saw the likes of Sheringham Clinsman et al. Um, look, in terms of the club itself, you can't argue that he hasn't taken on the club, moved on the club from sugar, but that's not a difficult benchmark. But he's been there for 22, they've been there for 22 years. And what I find very troubling is around the fact that, you know, You look at his record of appointments in that reign, you look at, you know, in terms of directors of football and managers, and the record is not a very good one. And there have been times, I I could name you at least two to three times, where we had a real opportunity to kick on with some investment on the pitch. And they don't do it. You know, we all remember the Sahar Nelson window when we were near the top of the league. Um, we all remember with, with Poch not really signing anyone for eighteen months when you had City and Chelsea in transition, and, and we were an attractive place to go to. And here we are now. I mean, I think the last time I was on this uh, on the show was uh, doing the end of season review with Mike, and there's such a great optimism that we sneaks into fourth place. You know, we've got Champions League football to offer. We've got the stadium full, um, and we we just haven't really kicked on from there and again as I said back to what we talked about before it's the same old if you get a trophy manager in who's combustible and will be two three years you back them and you listen to what they say um, and you know we, we've got a great stadium um, but you know it's clear that we're getting revenues in we'd love to get an NFL franchise it would appear we're putting on these gigs boxing and all the rest of it and from all our days of when we meant to start going to Spurs where we are now it's unrecognisable but do I ultimately feel that they are people who are they're quite happy maybe to get top four, but rather to make that additional step and really invest, I've never thought that to be the case. And, and that's where my thoughts are in relation to the ownership. And to, to finalise it is you look at the likes of Chelsea. Uh, you know, you had at least probably five, six consortiums who wanted to who were in the list for Chelsea. They need a stadium to redevelop. Uh, Liverpool, Man United on sale. There is a market for people consortiums who want to buy the club um but we are stuck with them now yeah
2: isn't I, I, it the but isn't it the case that in uh, under sugar we were actually fighting in a different league Under you know we were we were on a par with t- clubs like or or struggling to keep up with clubs like shepherd wednesday middlesbrough aston Villa, you know leeds all of those clubs in the 90s were ahead of us out out doing us in the transfer market out yeah. doing us on the pitch and he's taken us to a whole other level that at that time in the 90s we didn't consider ourselves to be anywhere near the level of arsenal or um you know liverpool or man united in terms of size of club and, uh, and we weren't competitive with them in the transfer market and um you know chelsea you talk about chelsea they were fattened up by by a crazy one guy turns up and just ter- transforms them from also mm. rans into a massive mega club It's is exactly what's happening now with newcastle and it's happened to manchester city as well but if you look mm. at the clubs that we've competed with people say yeah well he should have done all those things with the premier league money all those other clubs i just mentioned they had they had the same opportunity and they've all withered away or or uh, not done anything so in I suppose what he would say, again, I'm being devil's advocate here, but I suppose what he would say is I wouldn't have been able to get us where we are, make us a major player, if I'd gone out and taken massive risks in the transfer market. I've run this club better than any club's been run. No other comparable club, in fact, no other club, full stop, has got a stadium like ours to go with that training ground like ours. You know, but hardly any clubs have uh, maintained what, uh, well, no club has maintained even our league performance considering where i started from is what he would say if you compare us again you know someone i might have said this before someone said to me a middlesbrough fan said you know what who's that guy that runs middlesbrough he's the he's the mobile gibson yeah he said you know when you go with gibbo around the the ground at middlesbrough do you know he knows everybody's name from the tea lady to the kit man you can't say that about daniel levy and i thought yeah, but we're at the top. We're in the higher higher echelons of the Premier League. They've been for 20 years. What well, happened to Middlesbrough? They're a bloody yo-yo club. And and when in the mid, in the 90s, they were buying Ravinelli and Janino. while we were buying, you know, like you know, God knows what non-entities. Obviously, if we could be bothered, we'd go through a list of non-entities that we were buying at that time. So. Again, I'm just putting the 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 case for the defense, but I just mm. wonder whether all this goes racing through his mind when we we concede the second goal and they say you we want now, David. What you might say and you might have a point is fine, fair enough. He's done all that, but what we supposed to do? Just tread water now while he makes loads of money, or what's the point of having a football club if you're not going to try and win trophies?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you I, know, I would agree. yeah. No, I think you've raised fair points, but. You know, he's been, they've been in charge now for 22 years, okay? Yeah. So I don't know how long you can keep carrying on saying, well, we were really awful under sugar, uh, yeah. and look where we've got to now. I mean, you know, the, you, you can't you can't carry on that argument forever and a day. Now, you know, the Spurs show, I've been listening to the Spurs show for like nine on 10, 12 years now. First I started listening to Hong Kong. It, it's the Vito Corleone of the Spurs oh, cool. podcast world. We all know that. But I, I swear that if you... If you played like, a, if you did a loop of all the January podcasts that we've ever yeah. done, we've had the same conversation. For every year this show has been in. we've had the same conversation. Yeah,
0: that's he's absolutely spot on. That's the problem. Like, I, I'm not Enoch out. I'm not Levy out. I really think he has the best interest in the club at heart. But someone has got to get that man by the lapels and shake him and say, so you, you have to back them. Like you, we have, we move from Pochettino into a, into a, well, forget Nuno, two here and now managers, right? Marquee managers who play a certain type of football, who demand ready-made players at the top of their game on big wages. And twi- twice, thus far with Conte, we have failed to deliver them the players that they need in order to do it. And we've had the same conversations in January's. I, sh- I shared that optimism. At the end of last season, I thought we've done it. We finally moved the Rubik's Cube enough so that we have an amazing stadium, an amazing manager, world-class, a world-class player in his prime, and the ability to, to galvanise what we have and give this manager what he needs to deliver what, what we all want. Trophies and immediate success, right? Yeah, And we didn't do it. Again, we didn't do it. And I... I was very, very excited at the beginning of that transfer window. I really was. I thought, we're actually doing what we never do. We're going out. We're signing proven Premier League players who consistently turn in eight out of ten performances for their clubs outside the top six, always show up in big games in Basuma and Richarlison. And I thought, if we keep this wave going, if we go and nick a real quality centre-back off a financially struggling giant somewhere in Europe, we can push on. Give him his wing-backs. Give him his centre-back. Let's go. And what did we do? Daniel Levy went out and signed a, a homegrown kid that he really likes, who I think has massive potential, but Conte clearly doesn't. And we signed a fella who can't get into the worst Barcelona team in the last two or three years. And I like Longley; I think yeah, he looks a good player. But these yeah. are not elite level players; yeah. they're not. Yeah. So we wanted elite level players. Conte wants them, and he hasn't got them. And at the end of the day, Kudelski and Bentancur were brilliant signings. They changed our season. They absolutely did. If we 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 now have to do that again with two or three players this this January to stand any chance of taking the top four, because yeah. we can see what's that? Liverpool are capable of winning 10-11 on the spin. Chelsea might come good. Man, you are developing. You know they're getting ahead of steam up. Arsenal are so far out front. In well, please God, when they stutter, they'll still be in the they'll still be in the top four, and everyone yeah. knows the city are going to be there. So it's going to be an absolute bum fight, and we're going to have to go on a run where we're taking maximum points out sort of 12 out of 15 games and i just don't think we can do it with what we have at the moment no, and you
1: look at last you look at last january uh we got in kuleczewski and bentico i'm pretty damn sure we got them in the last week yeah. of january yeah. and the big announcement of the other part of january was uh, announcing that we're going to build a cinema and some new housing which is such a tone yet another tone deaf Announcement. I mean, if it's a 3D cinema that serves Chockeye, it's fantastic. But, you know, we're actually more interested in getting players in. And it, and and that deal, and Bentacore Kulishevsky, who I love, um, you know, it very much felt like Juventus needed to fund the Flaovic deal and needed to offload people. And we came yeah. and Paratici rings up his old mates, and there we are. So, you know, we we need something like that now, but we need it like you know. If, if you've got a director for football and 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 listen, they've all been off for five weeks. They haven't been. They're, they're not. They're not at the World Cup. Levy Paratici Conti. We you know we should have identified signings and January the first get in there. Liverpool have done that. Other Chelsea clubs have done that. that. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea have done that, but we never do that. No.
2: It's funny because got- it
1: is it is only the the window
2: is just open. It's it's literally just a jar. And so we're all talking like it's over. I guess because of bitter experience. <laughs> but in fact, there's still a there's still a whole month for them to do business. And well, we could be out the race, Theo. We could be. Yeah, we, yeah. We, but All I mean is, hope you would hope that there are deals. You would hope there are deals in place. I mean, they say that Paratici basically puts in place a whole bunch of deals because he knows they can't all come off and and plays them off against each other. And all that. You would hope that given that we've got paratici conti and levy working together that they will have agreed that the deals are necessary and that, that, that things are going on and that of course they don't tell us stuff until or tell the world stuff until they're absolutely forced to or, or something leaks out that's what you'd hope the only trouble is the demeanor yesterday suggested otherwise isn't it It suggested that conti had the raving raging hump and um and the and the other thing, I mean, you know, I've made those excuses for Conti that the injuries were very bad and any team would suffer from those, but you can't really. That doesn't excuse things like uh, that. That's no excuse for tactics. There's no excuse for morale. That was the real worrying mm. thing yesterday. Was because the team has always pulled it around in recent weeks. There was nothing there, was there? They were. They just seemed. I mean, when we went 2-0 down, there was no great, There's no great, you know, push to to get us back in it. I mean, I mean, I never, ever leave before the end, but I was very bloody close to leaving yesterday. It was just a, a bad atmosphere and, not, and we weren't going anywhere. And Villa, who are, really are a mediocre side, I mean, he sent them to get a point. No question about that, Emery. He's an, yeah. a, another arch-pragmatist from across the water. But yeah. he says the game went on. He's thinking, hello, I think mm-hmm. we could be in here, lads.
0: And by the don't... end of it, they're bloody
2: showboating the bastards.
0: But I mean, that's him. the worry. When you're playing that badly, all it takes is the Hugo mistake to, yeah. you know, so they've, they've come for a point. They're taking a speculative shot at the beginning of the second half. Yeah. Hugo spills it and the whole game changes. And he's, look, Emery has, look, you saw the wonders he did at Villarreal with a mediocre squad. Yeah. He knows how to get the best out of players. Yeah. And they've made themselves impossible to break down. And I have to say, what drives me insane is we are supposed to be this dominant home team with 60-odd thousand fans roaring us on. And we are sitting back against a Villa team who are one, who are one of the worst I've seen in a long time. They are truly yeah. mediocre. Yeah, Playing a low block and trying to hit them on the break. You're yeah. like, we should be dominating these teams. We should be applying our football philosophy to them. Not sitting back after 20 minutes waiting for them to make a mistake to try and spring Kane again. Because it's not working. It's yeah. not.
2: Maybe he would say Conti that yeah, it wasn't working because we had a we we just didn't have the players on the pitch yesterday to do that but trust me, I'd won titles in three countries it works when you've got the right wing backs and the right forwards because when you break with those players you're devastating and we have seen it when we've had better players on the pitch, but we've never had as we've all we're all agreed on it, so it's becoming like it's one of the great Tottenham refrains we've never quite had. Well, certainly not even quite. We have never had the wing backs he requires, and the, and the this thing about him is, as we know, he doesn't change his tactics He only has one way of playing. Yeah. um And and like you say, so we, this is a this is a manager we got. We were fortunate to get him. This is a manager who requires ready made players to succeed, and he particularly requires top wing backs to succeed. So if you're Daniel Levy, what is the point of hiring him unless you give him those things? That's the that's the Thing, isn't it? And the trouble with him, Levy, is he can't help himself. He cannot help himself from saying, Oh, I just don't feel good about spending that money. No, yep. Yep. he's always done it, and here we go again, maybe. But as I say, it's only January the second. I mean, you know, yeah, but may, maybe may be in the
0: pipeline. But we're basing this. We we've seen the MO. We didn't get Scrinra, we signed Joe Roden. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't get Bastoni or Guardiola. or maybe we never stood a chance of them, but we didn't go out and sign someone else we went out and picked up long because he was so yeah. cheap and available yeah the mm-hmm. mo is there unfortunately we yeah we are i think i i like to think that spurs fans are intelligent enough as a collective to be basing this stuff on uh, on precedent set in the past right and we've seen mm-hmm. it over and over again as they said you go back to the nelson and saha window yeah Yes. Uh, yeah. And
2: actually, if you look at Liverpool, uh, who obviously are the shining example, they, they've run their club well enough to get much, better, much, much better recruitment overall over the, in recent yeah. years. But they've also, and they've spent, you know, comparable amounts of money net to us, perhaps less even. Mm. So there's that. And, but crucially, when they've really needed to go in and make a massive statement signing and spend whatever it took, They've, of course, they've famously done it, and it, and they've reaped the rewards. Yeah. They've done it. They've always done it. I and mean, then Gakpo, they've got here. They haven't just got him. They've got him because he's good, and they wanted him. But they've got him to get him from Manchester United. and They did exactly the same last <laughs> yeah. January with uh, Luis Diaz, didn't they? Uh, when we were when we looked poised to get him, they just said no. We can't allow that. We'll go in whatever it takes. If it takes another 10-15 million it's worth doing. And those are the things that we don't do. And you could no. say, well, I mean, you could say if you get if you're talking if you can make in comparisons with City or Chelsea or. Newcastle now. Well, yeah, but we can't compete with that. But but with Liverpool, we are comparable. Yep. I mean, you look at our matchday revenues, you look at the size of our ground, you look at... Yep. Only, Liverpool are only bigger in the sense that they, because of their success over the last 30, 40, 50 years, they are a bigger global brand, so they have a bigger yep. global support. In every other respect, we are comparable with them and should be. Uh, so we are being um, out-managed. Out Not, I don't mean by the team manager, I mean uh, upstairs. I think one of the problems with Tottenham is we own it's it's like a feudal or an autocratic system there's no there's no real board there are no real shareholders there's one guy makes all the decisions and Mm. he answers to only one other guy that's Mm. it and Mm. i always think sometimes that's brilliant for us because if we want to make if we want to build a stadium we don't have to go through you have to discuss it and stroke our chins and make a load of shareholders happy or the board happy once they've decided between them they're going to do it, they do it. And that is fantastic. Let's build the best stadium in the world. Boat, go. But also the trouble is that there's nobody around Levy to to advise him and to mitigate for the things he's less good at. That's you know, right. That's the problem. And, and no one's going to tell him anything that he doesn't want to hear.
1: Well, that's, that is the big problem. And has has been for a while. I mean, you had someone like Paul Mitchell in, who I think oversaw that window that we got Sonny in Toby in, yeah. and and made, you know, made some really good signings. Yeah. Even Kevin Vimmer looked all right for a year, right? <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and then he looked like Augustus Gloop from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the the reality is is and then you had this guy from Swansea, Trevor Birch, I think his name was. He was in literally for three months and he now runs the Football League. Yeah, they and he never fought, hang around. They never hang around. They never hang around, because and it's that's too mass- difficult to work for. Yeah, yeah, it's that's and that's a massive issue because yeah. you, for any successful organisation, you need to have people challenging each other. Yeah. You, you even, you know, heaven forfend, employ people who are more intelligent than you. Imagine mm. that, mm. and then you listen to them. They challenge you, and, and off you go. Um, but that's that's always been the issue. But you know, with the stadium thing, let's not forget, we spent an, a lot of money trying to get uh, West Ham's ground where they are now. There was all of that. And uh, we wasted a lot of money on that, which we obviously would never get back. And that's obviously been charged to the club. Um, And that's the problem. You you have to have people around you who are going to challenge them. And And it very much feels like, and the perception to me of the governance and this, that, and the other is, there's no one to challenge him, and mm. I interestingly I saw an email from the supporters trust today. You do a great job, yeah. Uh, and now that the club have finally submitted plans for the f- the fan advisory board, the fan rep. Remember how that was promised at the end of the season when Mike Mason was in temporary charge. I think it was 2021.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was going to be. Def- yes, right yeah.
1: after the Super after League the Super debacle, league. Yeah. He yeah. Promised a fan rep on the board. And now some 18 months later, it's the first bit of news I've seen about it since then. So he needs to be challenged. Uh, the, the issue there with Levy is he never gives an interview to any anyone independent. It all goes out on the on the Spurs channel, which is fine. But he, he needs to be more held to account. And that, I think, with all that stuff bubbling under the surface, we've seen little outbreaks of it over the years. The United game with Nuno's last game that Norwich Cup game when we lost yeah. some penalties and Dyer went into the stands, that's when it bubbles to the surface and there's discontent and then it's aimed at Enoch and Levy under those conditions.
0: Mm. I would also just build on that because that there is a fundamental issue with Levy and, about not learning from his mistakes, right? So if you look at that lot down the road, right, they have binned out players who were causing problems even though it cost them a fortune they were, who weren't delivering in a Bamiyang, in Lacazette, they they let Ramsey go. They have they have learned from their mistakes, and they are reaping the rewards of it. Right? They they were they have they have gone through a series of transitional phases to get where they are now, and it's miserable. And we're all more miserable because they're sitting at the top of the tree. Yeah. But the fact is, they spent a lot of money, and some of it went straight out the door. But their recruitment has been on point. I saw the same graphic that you saw, Theo, that Athletic article, and their list of signings are green, 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 green. Apart yeah. from that right like that has come from accepting you're wrong listening to advice around you learning from your mistakes and putting together a squad capable of challenging we have not done it Mm. we haven't he's not listening to people around him and again he's not learning from the mistakes that we've made in the past he keeps repeating them
2: yeah and you kind of think well If it was more fundamental to the business, the result of these mistakes, he might be more inclined to do something about it. But while he's staying in the top six and the money keeps rolling in, and you know, it's not that much of a problem. It's not like he's existentially threatened. He's doing what Joe Lewis wants him to do, which is creating a fantastic business with with added back, but the value is going up year after year after year. You know, because obviously those guys have an exit strategy. They, they want to. Uh, if mm-hmm. someone came in tomorrow and offered them four billion, they'd get they'd go for sure. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, well,
0: it's the like prices of these clubs have gone up. Yeah. But that's what that one hundred and fifty million was the war chest. You know, yeah. the, that was all oh, that. That was them. I don't understand the business. I understand the business logic of it. But they're effectively buying more more of, of the club, aren't they? They are, yeah. they are investing yeah. another chunk into Spurs to reap yeah. out in the exit strategy, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The only thing I would counter about Levy that I do truly believe is I do believe he is desperate to win trophies for this club. And I actually think the appointments of Mourinho and Conte have shown that. Yeah. Because Mourinho mm-hmm. cost a fortune and it was, he flipped a coin and he lost, right? Bet on mm-hmm. red and we came in black. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, and then he went out, we had the Nuno debacle and he's gone out and got Conte and he's paying him huge money if it doesn't work out, there's no, there is nowhere for him to go, really, is there? Like it's we, we've gone through the project managers, we've got the here and now managers. He didn't back one. And at the moment, it looks like he might not be backing an even better version of the project manager of the trophy manager. Yeah. So I do think he's trying. I just don't think he's putting his money where his mouth is in quite the way that you have to with these managers. Yeah. You've got to go and pay the premiums, get who they want. But if you've got to pay another 10 million, you've got to pay it. Because they might mm-hmm. be the difference between losing a Champions League final and winning it, or having the staying power to win the league when those other clubs fall away. That's the difference.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the next game before we all slit our wrists. <laughs> <laughs> we might, do, we might, might just do it anyway. The next game is not the sort of game you want when everyone's low, when morale is low, uh, we're not playing well, we've got injuries. Because Palace, when you go to Palace, they mm-hmm. are always up for it. They're always up for it against Spurs, London derby, and they love it when the when the bigger London clubs come to town. The atmosphere there is always really rocking. And we've come unstuck there more than once over the years, of course. Um, on the other hand, sometimes just when you think it's all gone tits up, something comes <laughs> out. And I don't know what the, the – there's no team says <laughs> yet, but we're going to want at least – one of Kuliszewski and uh, Bentoncourt back aren't we I think Bentoncourt is less like I don't know what Kuliszewski's situation is how do you see it? how you uh, how do you see it David yeah. <laughs> that game
1: well, you know, I think they Palace come out to glad all over, don't they? By the yeah. Dave Clark Five, you know, They're, that's a band from Tottenham. So, firstly, yeah. they should get a song from their own uh, area. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> they have uh... already
2: resorted, resorted, yeah. just having
1: a go at. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've resorted to uh, I've resorted to going back to nineteen sixties yeah. yeah. beat bands for my yeah. banter. That's yeah. how bad things have that's got. A, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, look, you know, um, I I've, I used to go out Selhurst Park for a lot. I mean, you know, it's a bloody nightmare to get to from North yeah. London. And yeah. I think I've seen Charlton there, Wimbledon there, and Palace yeah. there when they all were there. Um, do you want to cheer ourselves even more up? I think Basuma's suspended, isn't he, for this game? Is he? Oh. Uh, yeah. So I thought it was interesting. He brings on Saar first before Skip. I mean, look how far yeah. Skip was. Has fallen, and I think it was Nuno's away game last year that didn't he play a midfield in midfield three of Winks, Skip and Hoyberg, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, and it didn't work out very well at all. So I think it's gonna be a tough game. Um, you know, Vieira has done a, a job with them. I think they're really missing Connor Gallagher this year, which is uh which is for them. They got Zaha, they got Ez. I don't know, Ez is as he still playing or not? As he yeah, is he is, he's playing, well. got, he's playing well, yeah. he's playing well. He made He's team someone, of the week, I think, this week. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's someone who we should be in the market for, for getting your, your Bowens, your, your people like that from, from the championship and get them at good price. Um, so it's going to be a really tough game. Um, it's really about showing, you know, the character. I hate to say it, we've got to show some character. We've got to show some some metal now. The likes of Hoiberg's got to stop flapping his arms around like he's working at a Danish Copenhagen airport and and get stuck in. I'm not sure about Bentancur. It's worrying. Whenever we all, we always get this thing that they're back, they're injured. Now they'll do a scan, and now they'll be out longer. Um, so I'm worried about that. Kulicheski, I hope he's back in. I mean, you know, he was. He was injured. He's not been uh, playing for four or five weeks and he gets a muscle, muscle injury in training. That's a concern for me of his injury record. We need him back in. Um, I'd even think about going a three-five-two and having Saar, S- uh, Skip and Hoiberg in the midfield because we keep getting overrun in the midfield when we're playing those two. Uh, and I'd have two up top and I'd make I'd want Kuliszewski as a kind of roaming 10 and Kane up top and have Son on the bench.
2: Yeah, or if Kulusevsky's not fit, you'd give you put Son in a, in in the front too and hope that he suddenly comes alive. I suppose um,
0: yeah. we need yeah, that- We need to be solid. We've got to show up. And yeah. I, what, what that Hoiberg arm flapping thing? I'm a big Hoiberg fan. Like, but this this whole, this constant this constant harrying of other players when he is not stepping up is, it drives fans nuts. Because the thing is about him as well. If he if he has an off day. Because he's not, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the quickest. So he gets really, really exposed in a two when it's not functioning, right? And mm. I, actually, I agree. I think we've got to go three, five, two and try and have a, a few moments of quality and really have some metal and really grind it out and absorb that atmosphere and try and go, you know, and, and have a battle. Because it's, mm. it's a freezing night at Sellers Park. We need to turn up.
2: Yeah. I mean, one that is the one tweak that he has made just occasionally where he has put an extra man in midfield at the expense of a forward. And when you look at how Kill and uh, Son, how utterly, you know, ineffective they were on Sunday, you, you rather feel that he, he would be tempted to do it. I like the look of Saab, but obviously he's very callow. He's, he's, he's had a matter of just a few minutes as a Premier League player. We all yeah. rate Skip. So either of them, who knows? Before I ask you for score predictions, Louis Sahar, uh, Wilf Sahar, rather, uh, is um, available at the end of the year. His contract's coming to. What about a cheeky bid for him now to get him for the last six months? Does does that make sense? It does to me. I mean, he's already made Premier League practitioner, isn't he?
0: I'd love him. And he's got the attitude. I, yeah. I like. He's one of those players. You hate. He's like Richardson. You hate playing against him. You'd love yeah. him to explain it for you. Yeah, and if he's, you get two or three really good years out of him for uh, yeah a cheeky bit, I'd, I'd have him in a heartbeat. Yeah.
2: Bags a skill, you know, um, totally proven. What do you think, David? Uh I'd rather have
1: him than Adama Traore, who's in the do, last six right. months of, yep. his, <laughs> of his last oh, six too months. Of his God contract. forbid! I mean, that, really that would that, say that, it all. Is that doing him. the rounds
0: again? Please tell me it's not.
1: Well, you know, he's got six months left. It's a Levy special, isn't it? (laughs) Levy's
2: salivating. Um, All right. I'm going to have to ask you to make predictions before we go. Uh,
0: Vaughn? Hard fought 2-1. Come on, 2023, New Year.
1: (laughs) David? Uh, 1-0 victory. Kane, 89th minute penalty banishing the World Cup woe. (laughs) Wow. I like that. I, I mean, you know, I'm usually, I usually put it, but I,
2: I'd be happy with the draw in the circumstances. <laughs> I'm going to say one all. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. We're coming back later in the week. I will ask you to come back. Uh, luckily, we don't have to do it in person, David, so you're not going to have to do two round trips from Sydney to London, but I'll ask you to come back later in the week because we're going to preview the FA Cup. Maybe it's our year for the FA Cup, but for now, thanks, David. Thanks for this. Thea in London saying, go
0: you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sport Social Podcast Network.